What's up, everybody? So, uh, the GM wrote one of the player characters' characters at... That was a sentence. The G... One of the player characters got written out of the story. That was a failure. We're keeping it in. We're doing it. One take wonders in this house. What up? Sessions mm-hmm. canceled. We're here. I'm here with Matt. So, I, I like I like your backstory, Jim. What's my backstory? Uh, the guy, the assassin, the guy, the uh, uh, yes, yeah, nailed it. I love my backstory. Nailed it. I definitely <laughs> that 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 opening joke was definitely smoother in my brain, and then it came oh. out like a salad, like a disgusting, oh. wilty salad with a day old. They old with several days old dressing and just sadness. Cheap iceberg you know, lettuce. You want to go great with that? This uh, XP smoothie I've been keeping in the fridge for like two years. Oh, <laughs> car. You just gotta eat it with a fork and knife. But it's oh, soft. That's, I hate that. I hate that so much. I hate everything you just said. Oh God. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just me and Matt. So uh, I don't know. Buckle yep. up for stupid. Mm, gonna be a great time. It's going to be a time. It'll be a time of, of days. It will be a time that has existed in the timeline of life. Yep. Um, <laughs> what else people should spend their time on, Josh? I, uh, Going to our X account. No, no, you tried, <laughs> but you tried, you tried. It's, it's yeah. Twitter second <laughs> podcast platform. First, you, you, you went, you went for the segue. You just got the order wrong. Uh, and no, I, I refuse to call it anything but Twitter. <laughs> it, I am not calling like it. E- Anything I love else? How everyone is refusing it to call it X. It's it it's doesn't. So you can't. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're just. You know what? We're gonna spend some time on this. I don't care. There is no universe. There is no place. There's no way to say. Oh yeah, I made a post on X.com and it rolls off the tongue. It just doesn't. There's no way to say it where it doesn't sound fucking stupid. It was so much easier to just say. Oh, I put out a tweet on Twitter. You didn't even have to say that. The word tweet was such good branding. All you had to say was, I put out a tweet. You don't even need to specify where because everyone knows what the fuck you're talking about. You know what X changed them to, Matt? Do you, do, have you looked? No. They're no. called posts. They're posts now. Posts. Which, All right. I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you noticed, that, but... Um, wait, isn't that the Facebook thing? Isn't yeah, that uh-huh, from Facebook? Uh-huh. Bruh. Yeah, Instagram and Facebook call them posts. What? Yeah. It's... It- like tweet is probably an addic- actual dictionary by now. Probably, like, yeah. It's bother? like it's actually look not to listen not to suck the corporate overlords in Silicon Valley's cock off because <laughs> as far as marketing and advertising goes, I think those people are basically like the second worst rung. The only people worse than marketing and advertising are like CEOs and stockhold stock traders. I I just that is a cesspool society I care not for. But my grandson says Fortnite and fidget spinners are fucking in. Go, go, go. He's yeah, no. I hate, I hate, I hate. <laughs> no, I don't even care if they're rich. If you're a stockbroker who lives in a box, I still hate you because fucking trading stocks is just, you're just a parasite on society. I don't know why I'm getting so into my, my fucking values right now. Yeah. But, but all that being <laughs> said, the word tweet is amazing marketing. It's very good branding. I hate to admit it, but it is. Because it's totally unique. You say the word tweet, you instantly know what everyone's talking about. We're all on the same page. And your Im- your brain immediately thinks of that blue ass bird. Well, now it's all yeah. gone. Yeah, it's like you say X.com and everyone thinks you should be porn. Yeah, it's like Google. Google is now like yes. I Googled it is now a, yeah. a verb. Yeah, it's like fuck. Although Google actually loses money on the fact that Google turned into a verb, but we won't get into that because that's a whole other side of business. It's the same reason. Clean, it's the same reason Kleenex actually hates that shit. But anyway, 
<laughs> Did you know Velcro is a brand? Did you know a it's brand. not called? Ve yeah, Velcro isn't Velcro. Velcro is the brand. The oh, technology, the technology is called hook and loop. Hook and, uh, yeah, hook and loop straps. Was this a Joe Rogan thing? Like, I remember it, hearing this from it, someone super I mean, popular. It it might have been, but I know this I, is yeah. this is a thing. Velcro is a well, Matt Colville, I think, mentioned it actually once too. Huh. I don't know if that's where I heard it from, but yeah, so maybe. it's a thing. Some someone thing. I, I yeah, someone famous once said yeah. something like that. It's a whole it's a whole ass thing. Velcro is that's, not a word; it's a brand. I didn't know that. This has been a really stupid five minute diatribe. <laughs> no, that's fine. What what would a session's cancel? It'd be uh, you know be without one of these. I know, but usually we diatribe about things like you know fucking anime or video games. That was a really weird diatribe <laughs> into marketing and websites and branding, which none the of more those you things. Know. I don't give a shit about any of that crap. Yep. Also, did uh, you hear all the people who are like? Yeah, just to go back to the X thing real quick, just to end it. Uh-huh. Uh, they changed the building, like, and, and they have a giant oh, yeah, X light, yeah. and I guess all the people who, in San Francisco, which, lol, living in San Francisco during these times. Yeah, fuck that. Like, fucking, they have to, like, you know, they basically, like, all the people can't get any sleep because the light is constantly fucking shining in their apartments. Well, Matt, I have a, I have a better <laughs> add-on to that story. Uh-huh. They had to knock the sign down. Because he didn't have building permits for it, so it's not there anymore. Oh my <laughs> god, dude! What? what is See, I, like uh, I was one of the people who was like, "Elon buying this." You know what? It sounds dumb, but I think it could work. I was kind of and on now, board in the beginning too. No, I, I 100% agree. I was somewhat on board because I liked the idea of someone who's a little bit of a psychopath owning a platform like Twitter. Because, you know, it's it just I don't know, spice thing. Like I was kind of on board, but now, and now I'm at the point where I'm like, never mind. This was a bad idea. Now it's like. Because I don't remember if it was like one of my like super like, you know, fucking hee haw, like red fucking uncles who, who were Probably. telling me like, yeah, who was like, you know, Elon has no fucking idea what he's doing. He can't run a company for shit. And I'm like, I, are you, are you sure? So isn't he? Apparently, like, I, I, apparently I, I, it's true. Apparently, a lot of his like companies running is not really because of him. It's because of the other people that he like hired apparently that is what i've heard obviously god damn i can't yeah yeah i, I don't i don't know who to believe and i i don't know who to believe it's to one either, of these things i don't care to google no yeah same <laughs> so i'm like sure I'll same. Just, you know what you tell me sure I, yeah why not yeah that's where i'm at too <laughs> it's like anyway, I, I could care less <laughs> the only thing i'm worried about is if if x you know uh if the whole x thing destroys twitter then uh i don't know where i'm gonna move the podcast uh, profile too, but there, I'll figure that out when like, we get there. There's like five other websites. No, I know. Now. We That's just got to figure out which one's important. Again, this is a dumb. Why are we still on this? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <fucking> funny. <laughs> let's actually get to the topic because nobody cares about me being concerned about where to move the Twitter account to. <laughs> uh, so uh, before we do all that, please hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice because those aren't going anywhere yet. Hopefully. I mean, we're on multiple platforms. They can't all die at once. Uh, although Stitcher, yeah. speaking of, Stitcher died. Uh, so we're not on yeah, that anymore. I heard that recently, which that's unfortunate because I actually used to use Stitcher before Spotify. Did you? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like it because I'm not surprised. It was dumb, easy to use. Yeah. I'm not surprised. A lot of people didn't know about it. Anyway. So yeah. what the hell are we talking about? Well, what are we talking about? Jeff? We're talking about, you know, this may come as a shock to some people or maybe not a shock, but this may be you know, it's outside my normal warehouse because I'm usually Mr. Mechanisms 
you know, Mr. Mechanical Goodness. But today I want to talk a little bit about narrative structuring. Strutting. Oh, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> structuring your narrative in your game. Um, because I don't know. I had thoughts about it recently just because as per usual, an event happened in my game and that spurred mm. my thinking because that's pretty much always how it goes for me. Let me lean back in my chair real quick, grab uh, some popcorn and listen to this. Uh, so what, what happened in your game? Yeah. Last yeah. Time, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a particularly <laughs> crazy or long story, so it's not, uh, it's not the usual fair, but um, yeah, basically my my players my players are down in the underdark they're dealing with this whole drow situation uh and you know there's essentially this uh a civil war type it's more like a, not a civil war it's more like a rebellion against the tyrannical queen type scenario right um, right so my players are sort of helping the rebel drow and the reason they're helping is so that they can uh you know sort of usurp the evil queen put the rebel drow leader as the new queen and then the drow can help them with their eventual final goal because they also needed this rare ore that only the drow had or it really not only the drow had but it, it's it's an ore that was deep underground so the drow and the duragar are the only ones that really knew about it or used it so blah 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 point being they're talking to the leader the sort of the high priestess who became the sort of leader of the rebellion for various reasons doesn't matter um and Brett's character had asked, uh, I guess I should preface this with, I wasn't sure how I was going to do this, but I knew that I was going to bring this up in some fashion because way early on in the campaign, when my players were like, I don't even know, maybe level five, keep in mind they're level 18 now. Um, my players had fought this drow dude who was like a serial killer that had basically he became a serial killer because he got possessed by the dredge, which are the sort of, you know, evil, big, bad monsters in my setting. Uh, and they had killed him forever ago. And I knew that he was going to connect back with the whole drow stuff at some point. I just wasn't sure when or how or whatever. So finally, we get to this point. My players are talking to the queen or not the queen. My players are talking to the rebellion leader. Uh and Brett's character says, do you have anything that's connected to the evil queen so I can use scrying to see what she's up to? And I went, ah, my perfect moment. So I totally did this on the fly. This was not part of my plan, but I had decided that the dude they killed because drows are all like matriarchal and shit, right? The dude they killed was a consort of the queen and she was going to marry him. So she had given him wedding ring and then so the dude uh the dude who they had killed is the sis is the brother this part i knew this part i knew about like i had this part i had planned the dude they killed is the brother to the rebel to the rebellion leader priestess so it's her brother so she had the wedding ring because he left without it so she gave the wedding ring over for uh, brett's character to use scrying and then explained oh it was my brother's blah 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 and then I think it was Sam asked like what his name was. And she said the name and I, I'm pretty sure it was Sam. Um, uh, I know Sam had the best reaction. She said the name and I just hear Sam go, oh, no. 
<laughs> yeah, because probably Sam, he he's a you know him and Brad are the note yeah, yeah. takers, uh-huh. so he probably looked yeah. at his documents, he saw the name. He didn't even have to with, look. <laughs> he didn't even have to look. He as soon as I said it, he knew who I was referring to, and he went, yeah. "Uh oh, that's the guy we brutally had to kill because he was evil as shit." Uh, so there was this great moment as all the players were like, "Oh no, now we feel bad." And so they had this whole moment with the lead, you know, the rebel, uh, the rebel leader. His, her name was Sherva. I don't know why I didn't specify her name before. You know, they had this whole moment with Sherva and explaining like why they had to kill her brother because he had disappeared and she didn't know why he had disappeared and he didn't come back. And the reason he didn't come back was because he was, you know, possessed by the evil dredge monsters. So he was basically just fucking around killing people because he felt compelled to kill. people. He, he turned into like a monster, basically. You know, he didn't he, wasn't, yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. really have his wits about him, but he had a hmm. he had a letter on him from her okay. and they found that letter. They kept it all this fucking time. Goddamn. Well, they had it like at the house. Like they didn't necessarily bring it with them, but they had it. So they like knew there was something going on there. So it was this good like wraparound moment, you know? Uh, And it wasn't even really important to the grand scheme of things, right? It was mostly just a moment just to kind of show how the different areas of the setting are connected, you know? Um, It wasn't like vitally important to the sort of main narrative, but it was, it was, it got this great reaction. All of this is to say, I like how I said I wouldn't go on for that long. That lasted longer than I expected. Uh, but all I mean, of this keeping time, it's fine. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the recording <laughs> software keeps time so I can look. <laughs> um, oh. But uh, <laughs> all that is to say, it was a great little moment and it got me really thinking about how you can structure your narrative to invoke not necessarily that specific sensation but just like emotion in general right because people are always like maybe not always but the people who really want to have that critical role style game right they're always trying to figure out how to get emotional reaction out of their players they want to have the oh shit it's him moment right everybody wants the fucking um the scene where they were sitting down at the dinner table and percy realizes that the briarwoods are also there Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants that. Right. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, that's like fucking that's some peak role playing. Uh, yeah. So it's like, how do you actually execute? Them? And that got yeah. me. And, you know, so this whole little moment with Sherva and her brother and like the players had to kill the brother and blah, blah, blah. Got it yeah. all sort of cooking in my head. And I was like, ah. And what I realized is and I, I might be off base with this, but I, I, I think I think this is a, a valid assessment. So, Matt, you you give me a yay or nay. Mm. I think the best way, or not the best way, the best reference to use when trying to figure out how to kind of set up your narrative for a tabletop game is to look at how books handle it. Yeah, that, book shows. Uh, it, but but yeah. books specifically, and the reason I say books specifically is because I think that's the medium that can share the most with the tabletop realm and is books need to convey everything through the writing, right? Right. Shows, movies, video games, you have all the visual components. You could have a character walk into a scene wearing a specific outfit. Nobody needs to say a word, but everyone knows what that like let's say you're you're watching a show and uh the show is ambiguous about what time period it is that the show is taking place and you're trying to figure it out and then at the end of the first episode a nazi walks in with an armband your brain immediately goes oh okay 
it's World War II. Now I know what's good. You know, like now all this context floods into your brain, right? You can't really do that as easily with tabletop. You need to convey words in some fashion. So uh, not 100%. I, I, I like, want to yeah, I, I disagree a little bit on that, but I'll let you yeah, keep going, keep going, keep going. Well, I know what you're going to say. You could show like pictures and stuff, right? Basically, because I was going right. to say, I think it depends on if you're doing it like theater of the mind, you're just sitting at a table like the, you maybe you're using minis, but like there's no like art. Uh, if you're like someone like me that plays specifically on like, uh, you know, Roll20 or other like virtual tabletops, pictures tell a thousand stories. And, no, no. And that's why I'm saying maybe like, yeah, books I feel like are good. But I think you could also very easily use movie and, you know, television show references and help you to structure a narrative and structure your story, your campaign, and reference stuff. I, I think basically all those all three of those mediums work. Probably well, books. You might be right with books might be a little easier because it's like it teaches you reading books, teaches you how to be more descriptive, which is great for DMs. Yeah, you there's got, a you lot of overlap. Fucking, that's yeah, that's the thing. Of, yeah. Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying you can't use any other ones. I'm just saying right. the, I think the the closest and most primary source can be books. I also think the way that books tend to handle like character arcs and getting into a character's head, a lot of that will transition really well to a tabletop game you know right i mean that's also just basic storytelling and like you know it, using it, actual it like, is, narrative stuff like you know uh what's what's that one famous thing the uh the, the fry tag pyramid the like you know basic like story structuring 101 <laughs> like I, I don't know what know. pyramid you're referring to but so the so the fry tag pyramid is basically it's the simplest storytelling of a of a thing where it's like you you have point a is the introduction and then it moves up the mountain. And then point B is the rising action. Oh, you know, oh, the oh rising action, climax, and fall. Yeah, yeah, climax, falling action. Yeah, the end. Okay, yeah, yes. made that. That's the fry tag pyramid. Yes. That's like is a basic thing they teach you in English class, like in high, middle school, high school. Like, yes, know, that yeah, could yeah. help you. That's like, definitely useful. Yeah, the three I, act structure is also really good. There's like, a, not only the narrative, but like books, but like TV shows, as I'm saying. Like, there's, I think, what I, I can't put my. I can't put my finger on what you think I'd be able to explain this better because I, I read quite a bit, but like, I don't know why I can't. I also read a lot of fantasy novels specifically, yeah. but well, actually, I want to say for, for your thing, what you did in your game, uh, I don't know if this is the professional or technical term. term. <laughs> yeah, writing, go yeah. ahead. Go for it. <laughs> uh, but what you basically did was a callback and you and it was a callback, but also it was improv. Yeah, well, I was going to was back to a character and then basically being like, oh, it'd be cool if I brought this character's right, right. like thing connected with this this plot to the players haven't heard from since level five. So yeah. it's been a while. And then the fact that Sam had that genuine reaction of, oh, no, like, fuck it. yeah, <laughs> like, I was yeah. I was going to. Yes, I was going to get around to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, but what what I'm the, the main thing I'm, I'm trying to say with the initial part of this is like. There is something about the way novels are structured that I think feels like it will fit the best. And I can't 100% say why. Something about the narrative of like movies and shows and video games, like the writing style is just different enough that I feel like novels will slide in the easy, specifically like obviously, you know, Novels meaning when I say novels, obviously I'm talking about like uh, fiction novels primarily, right? Like obviously, if you're talking about like a biography, that's a totally different vibe. Or like a you know a, any kind of nonfiction is very different vibe, obviously. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it 100%. I just feel like it's the best reference. And then you kind of move Mm. down the pyramid structure to the other thing. I think the worst reference is movies. I think movies are the worst. Really? Yeah. I, no, I think you well, can hold do. On. Let me explain. Well, hold on. Let me let me justify with saying okay. I think the main reason I think they're the worst. I'm going to say worst. I don't mean they're bad. I just mean relative to the pyramid of the other things. I think they're the worst because movies have to have this really, really uh, tight beginning to end because movies are short, right? Movies are the shortest of the mediums, right? When you look at video games, books, TV shows, and then movies movies have, are the yeah. shortest they have the least to work with and they have to keep things the tightest and i True. don't think most of the time i think trying to keep things hyper tight in the way a movie is written i don't think is going to work for a tabletop game because you want to leave opening in a tabletop game because it's this big collaborative thing mm-hmm. you want to have that extra room and i, I think yeah. movies generally do that less now obviously you can start getting into the topic of like what if there's like 20 movies in the series yeah but then you just kind of become a tv show right, <laughs> right? Well, like- I'll say with, yeah i'll say with that uh, i think it again i think it depends on the game like if you're running a homebrew game sure like let's say you're running like one of these like modules that come out that have like it's just a bunch of one shots and none of the adventures, like you can run them back to back to back. And then that that's where I think the three act structure movies. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're doing a one shot, there's also yeah. a bunch of Adventure League modules that they'll write three different modules. Each one are supposed to be run four hour sessions. And you basically get a full fucking movie within three sessions uh, in three different adventures. And you're like, oh, this is great. You know, it's funny. I'll be honest. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but the whole time I was thinking about this, I wasn't even considering one shots. <laughs> So, oh shit! Really? That's but funny. you're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's true. Yeah. If you, if you, even yeah, one shot adventures. Like if you think yeah. about it, those are like those are like the, a movie. The, those are basically a movie where it's yeah. like, all right, get in, get the because even with my favorite is the uh, with the adventure league stuff. They literally break it down into time for some stuff. So they're like, all right, so the intro should be about thirty minutes. You tell the right, players right, the right. fuck is going on. You uh-huh. do the introduction. You know, maybe they can buy some potions or whatever. And then literally the next like chapter three hours right <laughs> right like the, fucking, well, the adventure <laughs> i think the oh. other thing too about a one shot when you sit down to do a one shot assuming your players are not being jackasses uh all the players are are sort of agreeing and understanding we're doing a one shot we don't have a lot of time so we're not going to faff about or like try and deviate from the main thing we're just going to do whatever the main mission is because that's what we're here to do we've all agreed to do it so a little more rail railroading a little more focusing down a specific path everyone's fine with because you all agreed to do a one shot you know what I forgot to I probably should have told you guys this during our barbarian episode and it slipped my mind until afterwards okay. but I went do you remember you know that show uh, by Gendy Tarkovsky Primal, Primal the dinosaur yeah. one yep. when that show came out I instantly had an idea for a one shot uh-huh. and I ran it on Halloween and it was all barbarian one shot uh-huh. I'm like you guys are cavemen you're you know I'm like think of like like actually I, I invoked the Primal show and then also Far Cry Primal and I'm like, you guys, you, the first adventure, I'm like, you guys are literally going to go out. You're going to collect some, some fruit. <laughs> yeah, you know, go, go out, hunt the mammoth, bring the meat back to your home and survive. Yep. And that was basically the one shot. And they like, again, one of the players almost died hunting a mammoth. They almost died surviving, trying to get back to the, their, their, you know, yep, the cave yep, yep. dwelling. 
and then uh, and then I threw in a, a, a you know a fire breathing T Rex boss at them at the nice. end just because nice yeah. and I I think I ended up killing a player but he did the thing where he's like he's like can I can I Drax and like kill the thing as it like swallows me or like stab it <laughs> I think he ended up actually getting the last kill and but he died in the process so I'm like yeah fuck it why not it's cool yeah yeah I mean so. yeah yeah you're definitely yeah I, it's funny. I, because when I was thinking about narrative structuring, I was really focusing on that like long term campaign idea. So yeah, when it comes, yeah, long term yes. campaign is yeah. I think definitely novels. You know what or I think a show like yeah. You know, well, you know what else is the the other thing that the reason novels I think really fit really well is because mm. novels are by far you can put the most meat in a book. Right when it comes to oh, story yeah. meat, you can get so much more information via a shitload of written words than having to spend an hour filming a really long show or making a video game, right? That's a ton of work yeah. and shit. So a lot of the time it's like a huge investment if you're trying to make something really long, which obviously it happens, but like it's a big investment. Yeah. But novels, you could just type and type and type and type. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could be the, the you know, Brendan, uh, Brandon Sanderson yeah. or yeah. George R. R. Martin and then have you know, a thousand fucking page novel. And you're mm -hmm. like, I didn't miss shit. You know, yeah. like, and it's sir? like that that ludicrous <laughs> so length, that ludicrous length and a lot of times really lines up with the tabletop feel, you know? Yeah. Um. Oh, fuck. What was the other? I was there was one other thing I was going to say. Damn it. Now, I was I was going to ask you because I have uh, a couple of things like I wanted to bring up, but like uh, I, I know this happens. Are, are you when it comes to like structure narrative structuring? Are you also talking just like how would you set this up like for a campaign? Like if you're, you're yeah, starting yeah. out your new so, DM, like it was like one of the first things I think actually. So this I got a from Matt Colville B my own like understanding of storytelling growing up uh -huh. and also uh, listen, you know, listening to the Sly Flourish guy. It's always about the fronts or the villain. Yes. Whoever are the movers and shakers of like anytime when I started like the three year game. My first thing that I started was like, who's the bad guy? Well, who's yeah, the, who's that's, the bad um, guy who's going to like, you know, do the like and then the, you make the players and then eventually the players become also part partially movers and shakers because it's their story. Well, so but you the, always want to start with who came first, who's the bad guy who like, well, it's not necessarily for the players to react to. It's not necessarily who came first. It's uh, who started it because. Yeah. The, the thing that's really important to, to think about, and, and yes, that is basically what I'm talking about. If you're a new DM and you're trying to figure out what you want to do with a long-term campaign, I am not saying write everything out like a novel. That's a bad idea. Um, but no, yes. don't, don't fucking do that. <laughs> don't <Absolutely> do that. <laughs> Never do no. that. But yes, uh, the idea of starting with the villain, the reason you do that, and I'm, I'm stealing this from Matt Cole. I think I've heard other people say this too, though, is uh, heroes are reactive villains are proactive right yeah a lot of people say that yeah because if nothing bad happens then the hero doesn't need to protect or save anyone then they're just gonna stay at home and you know fucking milk the cows because nothing's bad happening so they don't need to do anything villains are proactive because they're selfish and decide i want to do something bad right so a hero doesn't go i'm going to save the world and then there's no one to save it against. The villain says, I'm going to destroy the world. Then the hero goes, hey, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. Now nah, we can't be doing that now. That's the big thing. So that's why you always start with the villain, because they're the one who kicks everything off. Because if you don't have the villain there, nothing's kicked off. That being said, the villain could be like 
in the beginning, your villain could just be the goblins down the road. Like it doesn't need to be anything crazy. You know, it just needs to be something that the players have to react to because if your players are being proactive and like if you flip it on its head and the players just roll up and say, we're going to go out in the woods and kill those goblins and the goblins haven't done anything, then your players are just murderers. They're just murderers for no reason. <laughs> right. And then they're not they're they're evil. They're not heroes. Now, that being said, if you're trying to do an evil campaign, that might work. That's a whole other uh, situation. I'm not necessarily going to get into that, but I will say it, I really should do an evil campaign episode at some point. Um, yeah, we keep bringing it up. Right I now. know. Well, because I've done a couple of them, so I'm like, I really should. Uh, yes. If you are running an evil campaign, though, yes, your players are going to be should be much more proactive than you would be in a normal campaign because. Yeah, they're the front. They're yeah. They essentially. Yeah, they are the problem in a lot of ways. Not 100 percent, but definitely more so than normal. Um, but yeah, I, I am basically talking about like, figure out your villain, figure out your kind of end goal, like where you want things to line, where you want everything to culminate, figure out your big notes, your big chapters, as it were, you know, going back to the yeah. <laughs> books and shit and sort of, uh, what, wait, what was the, wait, what would you ask me specifically? I feel like I lost my own train. I lost myself. Uh, as I we were was talking going. about like new DMs, like, you know, doing this. I know, like, but you asked me a question. Villains. Did I? You did. Shit. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> roll back the tape. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, how would you? I don't know. How would you? I did, uh, did you ask? Yeah, actually, wait, I don't think that. I think I don't think I really asked the question. No, you said you like said a, you said, do you mean something? Damn it. I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't okay. matter. Yes, what you were explaining, Matt. Yeah, that's that's really you know that's that's what I'm getting at. Is, is oh yeah, do you mean when you start like where do you start to like yeah where do you start? Like, How do you don't... figure out what you want? Like you know what are the major things you need to figure out? What are the major like NPCs? The funny thing is, is like I think a lot of people get intimidated by a lot of this stuff because you say to a newer DM, "Who are your major NPCs?" Uh, and the new DM thinks that they need to have a fully fleshed out character to answer that question. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is I'm a, all right, everybody, everybody get real close. Shh. All right. I'm just talking to you now. Just talking to you. All right. Your major NPC. All they could say is the blacksmith guy and that's it. And you figure it out later. That's the secret. I know I've blown everyone's mind. You don't need all the information. You really don't. Like, if someone says to you, who are the major NPCs you want to appear? And you go, the blacksmith guy, the guard captain guy, and the king. Good. You have it figured out. You have a thought. You're going somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't figure them out. You know, get more fleshed out when you need to get more fleshed out. But you do not need to have a thick, meaty Reuben sandwich right at the beginning. You could just have some bread and some cheese. It's okay. I don't know why I did a sandwich analogy, but here we go. Um, like for my game, I knew I was like, okay, cool. Villain, weird interdimensional oopy goopy monsters that can take the form of basically whatever the fuck they want and also sort of take over other things. Cool. Dredge done. I don't, I think I had a name for them really early on just cause I knew I liked that. I knew I wanted to have like kind of the ocean vibe and dredge. I liked a hmm. lot because I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the name just came from, you know, when you dredge the bottom of the ocean, that's when you pick up all the nasty shit from underneath. Oh, that's where the that's where the name comes from, because the dredge live in the manatide and the manatide 
is not necessarily literally an ocean, but it has a very aquatic theme and vibe to it. Mm-hmm. So they're the dredge because they're the nasty parts of the under the ocean. Okay. In case anyone was curious where that came from. Um, so I knew I was like, yep, villain, dredge, cool. Major characters, um, weird, spooky guy who tells the players their prophecy. Cool. Got that one down. I didn't have any idea who he was going to be or anything about him. He ended up being less important than I planned, but that's okay. Um, no gods around. So the only like godly information they're going to get conveyed is the manatide itself because it's sort of kind of like vaguely sentient, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I knew I wanted the like council that runs the city. And then I knew I wanted the sort of lead protector guy of the like special council SWAT team. And I had he he I had nothing. I didn't I had no clue what that character was going to be until like session 10. I think I like I knew he was going to be in there. I just had no clue how. Um, So, yeah, start with all those little boops and bops. Where do you start? Like, obviously, villain. You just said that. What else do you generally start with? Um. I guess when it comes to like overall narrative or just like that session, like no, no overall I, narrative, like like you, you like nar- um, session one hasn't happened yet. You're still like you're still setting up the meat and potatoes. So yeah, I usually again start off with the villain. Um, then I go with like, all right, where the fuck are we? Like setting, what's and then I kind of from there I can generate like, you know, what kind of story am I am I talking about? What kind of narrative am I? What kind of? Oh in? yes, yeah. yes, that's I I, I did I that's that's what I'm right. Yeah, what. Kind of story are you going for? Yeah, yeah, I think that's originally a big thing. with the three-year game, what I thought was going to be the story, and then what ended up happening throughout the campaign just changed. Because originally, my idea, and I don't remember if I think this was an originally from a Dragonlance thing, where I wanted the I wanted my setting to be like more nature-based and more like there was a war between like elves and dragons, and I hinted at that a little bit early on in my campaign. And then midway, I just gave up and said, fuck it, because so much other shit was going on and I changed a bunch of stuff and I was like, you know what? There's no point in me bringing this up anymore. So I just changed that and then just had like the big war, the dragon cult and all that stuff. Mm. Because I thought like originally when I wrote out the campaign as like, oh, well, you know, oh, the main bad guy, the the invincible overlay changed. He was he's a high elf guy. It was basically a high elf like you know, paladin, like, you know, wizard guy. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool. Maybe he's like, you know, oh, he's bringing back the dragons or something because the the dragons, like, were, like, sealed away from because of the elves and if they come back, they're going to try and destroy the world and all that shit. Uh, I hint that late in the campaign. Why you know, did they're that... trying to destroy nature. Why did and that not I, end up being... Uh... Like, where do you think uh, you kind of, like... I don't want to say fell apart, but like sort of, you know, uh, lost I think the- midway when I just became more invested in the players, like, and this is the other thing. So once you set up like your, the world and all that, and like, you got your villain, you got the basic gist story. Then that's when you look at the players, what are they playing and what is their backstory and how can you tie that into your world? I was more invested in my players stuff. Oh, I just, and okay. Eventually, I and again uh, throughout my my campaign recap shit, I like I was so burnt out, and eventually I got to this point where I was doing the bad GM thing of like I was trying to run the players through my novel yeah, yeah. towards the end when I should have been focusing on having a good game that not only did the players enjoy, but that I was having fun with, and it's a thing 
that I, you know, looking back on it, it's like maybe if I took a break earlier or maybe if I just, you know, cut more content than I did, I probably wouldn't have run into that issue. But eventually, towards the end of the campaign, I felt like I'm just running the, the players through a novel and not, yeah, not an adventure. And by the end, basically the, the next time I do one of these recaps, I that whole Feywild stuff, all that shit, like with the forest and the dragon city, all that was me running the players through my novel. And like here and there, the players had it like they were they were off like they would do like, you know, fucking around downtime stuff. But I felt like I was shoving the players forward like, all right, we got shit to do. Let's go. Let's move. Meow, meow, meow. Well, story. I, and I think after the, the next bit, the ending is when I brought it back to being an adventure and not running the players through a novel. Well, I think it is a thing that DMs do a lot. And I feel bad saying this, but it is a bad trait. You are not running the players through your novel. You should be running players through an adventure. Yes. You know, story isn't fun and stories matter, but if the players aren't invested in it, they're not, then you did a bad job. No one cares about the, the, the story. Well, I you mean, have to there change is, the story to make there's it interesting. There's a caveat here. Yeah. In that, like, yeah, no, I mean, yes, don't, don't come at it with the mentality of, uh, you know, you're going to hit all your story beats, blah, 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 because you can't control the player's actions. Um, exactly. So there's and, no way to I, know. I'm guilty of that, yeah. But, but I do think it's worth pointing out if you are like if you are doing that, let's say you you are you end up in a position where you're like, oh, I am kind of running my players through my novel, but your players are into it and they're going along and they're cool with it, then you can just kind of keep rolling, you know, like, yeah, it's not inherently like a, a problem. Yeah, it, it doesn't it, have it to can, be a problem. Yeah, I feel like it's more of a problem when it comes to home games than um, than like a module. I don't think no, because you could you can, I think you can be pu too pushy with the module, too. Uh, I think you can, but I think more people are in line to just change shit like uh, like just change it because like, it doesn't make sense. Like Sam did with us for Avernus or like uh, my buddy Joe did with Icewindale or. Yeah, but just because uh, you're changing it doesn't mean you're not you're just writing a new novel to put your players through. like you can i think you can uh, still end up in yeah, that place but it's, it's writing a new what i guess i should speci specify by is the 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 author changed how the adventure went because of the players it wasn't the novel the the novelist had a different idea for when he wanted to do the chapter and midway through the chapter ripped it and added a new one no, no, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. The author got feedback from his, <laughs> from his writing staff, <laughs> and it was like, ah, that is a better idea. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> no, I, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> what I mean is, I, I don't think one because what you said was, oh, I think it's less likely to be an issue with a module. I don't think it's any less likely to be an issue with a module. I think you could do it in a home game or a module. I think the reason it happens more with home games is because. The, the the writer is the GM, so they're more right. they're more personally invested in their thing. So it tends to yeah. happen more because they don't want to give up on their baby. Whereas the module is less their baby, so it tends to be less a thing. Right. But you could totally run a module in a fashion where it's just hyper railroad central. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've been I've been in a couple of sessions like that, and it oh. sucks. Yeah, like it's yeah, to like you totally water, still like can. the water deep thing I mentioned. <laughs> water deep thing. Oh, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist Adventure League? 
that oh, was in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was yes, super yes. railroaded yeah. and it was a bad DM. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but no, I agree with you. It probably is because you know the DM is it's just, also it's your baby. the, the lore keeper. Yeah. Yeah. But there's um again, God, we're just gonna plug Matt Colville all day. There's we, a we video a he made years ago. The railroad where versus he, it's the called, linear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's called lore versus writing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. video it it, uh, it opened up my mind to like someone who's a much more experienced storyteller than I am, of like. You know, lore, and, and this is this is why I'm kind of like when I joke with you and Isaiah sometimes about I'm like just change it, fuck it. Lore doesn't. Matter. I do. Like, I, like, yeah, lore, like it, like you're, yeah, writing and lore building are kind of like somewhat different, and you, you like the lore can always change. You can always change something to either make sense, or if your players are involved, they're like, eh, fuck it, because you don't want to like. Again, tie the players and sink the players down into like boom my lord. You know, like all right. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Work with the it, players. It's a cool collaborative effort. It doesn't have to Yeah, nothing nothing exists until it hits the screen, or in this case until it hits the you know game table. Right? Yeah. Like just because you wrote it down in the background, yeah, it doesn't exist until it actually hits it doesn't exist until it interacts with the players, because until that point, it's just some information you wrote down. It does. It's not a thing yet. No. Uh, like I'll give you. I'll give you an example of one that I had no no idea for, and I just kind of improv. Well, not even improv it. I just I never thought of it. Uh, I, in Strixhaven. Okay, I got. Uh, I got. I want to backtrack a thing after this, but okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my no, sorry. My my players. Uh, one of my players is on the student council, and he's also the captain of a sports team. So uh, like one of the, you know, magic school sports team. And so he's like saying, he's like, so, you know, we're playing all these practice games. He's like, can we do like some, can we compete against another school? And then me sitting there being like, oh yeah, there are, there should be other schools in this place. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause it's like the, the setting builds it. Out, oh, Strixhaven. It's the only college. Oh, it's all magical. Oh. And it's like, wait a minute. No. There probably are other schools. The I, fuck I, am I, I, like, <laughs> I believe the magic, like sort of. Lore, I believe the explanation for there only being Strixhaven is because it's interdimensional. So everyone yeah. from all the other places comes to this one place. That's why it's the only one. But yes, that's why the idea that yeah. there would be others is like it's pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, oh yeah, there are other. Now they're yeah. going to be playing against other schools and stuff that I have. I make up on the spot because like looking at like. The plane of Strixhaven. I'm like, yeah, uh, Grackle Keep. There's <laughs> probably a school there in Grackle Keep. You have Strixhaven, <laughs> and you have Gixhaven, and you have Mixhaven, and you have uh, Rixhaven. <laughs> and it's like, are these schools also magic schools? It's like, no, only Strixhaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We absorb all the magic. Uh, so, so I want to I want to backtrack to a thing a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, because you mentioned players' backstories. I think this is a really important thing uh, that I I heard someone say forever ago. Uh, and this this does this ties into whole like how you should try and structure out your narrative because you might go okay I have my NPCs I have my big moments I have kind of idea of where I want the ending to go I have an idea of where I want it to all sort of begin um, that by the way that's the most important part of the whole shebang is deciding how you start how you kick things off because that will really that sets a tone um, but the you've done all your shit right have all your shit on your side of the table and then your players they they all slide the paper across the table to you that says my backstory you as a gm go oh fuck what do i do with all this crap and you're like 
I don't, yes, don't want to read all this. Some of these people <laughs> wrote 30 pages, right? Yeah. Here's the secret. Also, if you write 30 pages, bro, chill. Fucking stop it. But yeah, tell some of my players, I'm like, mm, you're like, like reel you, it you in, write, bud. If you, write, if you write too much, I will literally not read it. Yeah, yeah. I give me like two, two, three paragraphs, maybe <laughs> yeah. like bullet point stuff for me, the important bits. So <laughs> I'll know it's important if you bullet point it. <laughs> That's true. Um, but let's say they don't, right? How do you, as a GM, you go, what do I do with this? I already have all of my big story beats I want to hit, and I don't know how to fit these in. Here's what you do. Look at that piece of paper. You take all the proper nouns. You circle all the proper nouns. Circle them, underline them, highlight them, change the color in the Google Doc, whatever you got to do. Circle all those proper proper nouns and delete all the rest of that garbage. We don't need it. All you need are the proper nouns. And someone may go, wait, what do you mean all I need are the proper nouns? Think about it for a minute. Your player hands you a backstory and they tell you who their mom is and who their dad is and where they lived and what their dog's name is and all these all these people in their life. But then they also give you 84 pages about how they slayed a mighty dragon. None of the crap about the dragon matters. But what does matter is if you put your if you take that character's mom and suddenly, hey, mom is being threatened by the goblins. Actually, the goblins captured your mom. Boom. Done. Integrated. Just take all mm-hmm. the proper nouns yeah. out and throw out the rest of that crap because most of it you don't need. That's yeah. the secret. And then you integrate all those proper nouns. And yeah. this is actually going to segue. This is a good segue now. Thinking about it. I wasn't planning this, but this is this works. Because Matt, mm. what you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned I was like, oh, the thing you did was a callback, right? Yeah. Callbacks, integrating backstories, all that crap. That there's that there's a key, beautiful little key to all that. Oh, by the way, uh, actually, great example of just using the proper noun again. Going back to Critical Role. Oh, hey, the Briarwood showed up. Matt Colville or Matt Colville, Matt Matt Mercer said nothing else. He was just like the Briarwoods are here at the dinner table, and Percy's player Talson immediately goes, "No need, right? Like yeah. I, you, that's yeah, all you got to do. I did mention it. Yeah, yeah. that's all you got to do." But you don't make a big deal. You don't do the the Marvel thing of like <laughs> you say the thing and just pause for like you know claps. You're like oh, like audience Ooh. reaction. You just Shiny? say it like it's normal and you keep going with the conversation. And then the player will pick up. Be like no 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 go, D- Mr. DM go back. I need you go back one sec please. Uh, it's funny that's like another you said, you said you, an important word. Matt, you just brought up another bullet point. I'm gonna but yeah. <laughs> first so callback. The idea of, oh, this thing from book. Reuse your NPCs. Reuse and re-implement your NPCs as much as you can. Because by constantly bringing back the same characters, first of all, your players are more likely to get attached to them if you keep bringing them up over and over again. Second of all, third of all, I don't know, whatever. Your players are going to have more of a grasp of who the character is if they keep seeing them over and over and they're going to care more they keep seeing them over and over yeah and then if they have more of a grasp and care more about that character they're more likely to utilize that npc and if they're more likely to utilize the npc that's where you as a gm get to do more lore dumping that's mm-hmm. how you get your lore in there you just go man the, the character says boopity boppity boopity pop right yeah. don't when you run into because a lot of time in a game you'll come to this crossroads you'll be like okay the players need to find someone to reforge 
their magical sword. Yep. Well, I could have them go to the magical blacksmith guy, the giant that lives up on the mountain, but they haven't seen him or know anything. They don't even know he exists yet. Or I could just have them go back to the blacksmith that they've already talked to before, and then he can say, yeah, I can fix it for you if you go get this special material from the magic giant blacksmith. Boom. Problem solved. Yeah. Right. Reintegrate. Keep reusing characters. Now, obviously, there's a there's a fine line here because, you know, uh, if you if you uh, if you nurse joy and officer Jenny, the situation (laughs) Where, me. Where, <laughs> yeah, where the ca- I mean, you can obviously if you do a bad day to make it a joke, then it then it's a joke. But like if you do the thing, obviously it was also a joke in Pokemon. But like if you do the thing where this same NPC keeps on magically showing up over and over and over again, just conveniently for no reason. Yeah. Obviously, that is going to get stupid and annoying unless you're doing it for a joke. Yeah, but a place where it's reasonable to reuse a certain character then do it like don't reintroduce another npc when you have a perfectly good npc sitting right there you don't need to buy a new pair of shoes you have a perfectly good pair of shoes right there why would you buy new ones don't waste the money right don't waste your brain power on coming up with another npc if you don't need to and then if the characters come back to that npc then you can make that and you can do more funny lines with the npc or whatever or play out the npc more and oh suddenly the players learn more and then the players learn that an npc has you know divorced his wife and then he also has a puppy he really likes that he got recently and all these little things you could keep throwing them in because the players keep talking to the character yeah it's a it's a a great way to share like info on your world set up like well info but it's also a it's a like i don't know what the word is but again this is the thing that books do a lot right like books will have like this character keeps being re like we're always staying in contact with them you know there's definitely a it's like a i don't know i don't know what the phrase i'm trying to say is but (laughs) yeah it's a good way to introduce things it's a good way it's really i think the main thing i think the main reason it works really well is it gets your players to give a shit yeah right because if your players know that every npc they meet they're gonna meet once and then never speak to again then they don't care you know they're gonna be like ah yeah that's great lord farnonius of the great and elven glade we're not gonna see you again in five minutes so we literally don't care any about anything you're saying but if they live in the realm of great lord farnonius then you're gonna see yeah, like most <laughs> most of my players in the three-year game like the most attached npcs were the ones they were literally in almost every other session with like yeah. you know the the drake dog that was basically a, another player uh jeff the tabaxi who was their fucking bodyguard at the keep nurse joy who was their fucking yep, friendly yep, cleric yep. npc because none of them are appealing like <laughs> yep yep i mean and same thing in like strix yeah and in strixhaven right now one of the biggest issues I realized literally the first session was like, I introduced the players to like 15 fucking NPCs. And I, yeah. and I, I was like, man, this is not good. And throughout now I've been playing for a year. The players got the gist, but there'll be times where they're like, like, who's this guy again? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's your classmate. It's like, yeah, but they've grown attached to the NPCs. Like there's a, <sighs> there's a little halfling sorcerer girl that my players, uh, fucking love their favorite NPC Rosie she's basically like you know hyper 
hyper like you know loves monsters basically you know kind of like what if rebecca was a fantasy character (laughs) but uh not as not as insane uh or violent or violent Mm. Or violent, actually, especially the violent part. What if Rebecca wasn't violent? In, in <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the fucking va- goth vampire fucking girl yep, who fucking yep, is, yep. you know, druid. Yeah, I think like, the way to go about that problem where you're like, oh, I have 60,000 fucking because it's true in like a school setting, you are going to have like a bunch of classmates. So many. Into. I think the best way to go about that is to make sure that when the NPC is introduced, they're introduced with a moment you know yeah like no, that's true like if the if they get introduced to the goth vampire girl uh because like they go to a party and they find her in like one of the back room ba- you know in the back room of the party uh like making herself blood soup on like the stove you know mm-hmm. like that's one of those things you're gonna be like hey what you what you doing yeah, making some it's soup. Like that stands you know, out. Yeah. It's gonna stand out because like weird vampire girl making a soup when everyone's partying, right? So like give that M- yeah. give the NPC a moment. I think that's one of the best ways to do it. But mm-hmm. it can also be tiring if you have a lot to go through. It's so you lot, have to yeah. kind of you gotta kind of feel it out and just pace it as you go. Like there's not there really a some, formula. Yeah, because there are also some NPCs like professors and stuff that the players don't fucking see every day. So there's like there was like a there. They, they, the players all work at a cafe at their local library. So they're like, oh, shit, we got to go talk to uh, we got to go talk to our work manager. And then they get there and I show them the picture and everything. And they're like, three of the players are like, who? I'm like, get your work manager. You guys known her for like a year and a half. You've been working here for like ever. <laughs> and I'm like, and I also love Discord because I have literally just a channel just for npcs and art and it yeah. literally has their name what their job is what they're doing what yep. they're what fucking yep. so they have they have all the information my players yeah definitely either just handouts for gore or they're lazy they don't go to the discord and there's like let me type in the fucking character's name they're probably lazy yeah so it's I, like, and yeah. like half my players are like like who and they're like oh yeah she's a durgar and like (laughs) god damn it (laughs) yeah i literally have a big i have a big folder it says like i have one big folder it says allies and one big folder it says enemies and it's full of a bunch of npcs that there are you know allies and enemies that they've run into blah 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 so like similar vibe yeah Mm -hmm. uh i just do it in roll 20 but like yeah (laughs) yeah but uh, to be fair again strixhaven is just there's so many fucking npcs so i can't like really yeah, well, that's what All I mean. You got to kind of pace it out. And that's what I actually added. To this, uh, technically. <laughs> no, Matt, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah, you got to pace it out a certain degree. There's no there's no magic formula. Um, yeah. But you said a thing somewhere along the road there uh, that that Someplace. jogged a jogged a note thought. Um, yeah. uh, saying something and then not explaining it. Yeah, this is a huge thing. There's some of my like there's a lot of books that do this and a book. So I'm reading through, as you know, Matt, I'm reading through the Black Company books right now. And the author of those has this habit. And some people might find this annoying. I think it's it's fucking genius. The they have he has this habit of he will just drop oh. statement. Oh, yep. What? What? All right. You're good. You're good. Okay. Sorry. He will just drop statements and nuggets of information randomly while you're reading and not give any context or explain because the characters know what each other are talking about. But you as the reader are like, I don't know what that is, but it doesn't matter. All you know is it's a thing and the characters know what it is and you go, okay, and just keep going. 
No one says anything. <laughs> well, so like a great example is something that the characters talk about a lot is um, the characters know a bunch of different languages. The, many of the members of the Black Company know a bunch of different languages because they're sort of well-traveled individuals. And right. anytime they're trying to, to like not anytime, but a lot of the time when they're trying to talk with no one else paying attention where where I'm at in the series, they're in like a totally different country. So they will uh, they will say they will sometimes say like, oh, Croker says blah, blah, blah in the language of the jewel cities so that only Mergen could understand him. And I still I am five books deep, six books deep. I don't know what the jeweled cities is. They just say the jeweled cities. Jeweled cities. Oh, it is the language of the funny. jeweled cities. They say it over and over and over again. They occasionally mention, oh, he's like some like a character might be from the jeweled city. I do not know what it is. It has never been explained because it doesn't matter. The only thing That's you need funny. to know is they have a language. They're from that place. They speak this, you know, like it's a thing that these characters speak that a lot of the other characters don't. And the important thing is by dropping these little nuggets and then not saying anything, it makes the world feel more real and this more fleshed is- out. Yeah, this is this reminds me. The instant thing I thought of was the fucking Kessel Run with Han Solo. Yes, yes. Like, you don't need to yes. see the Kessel Run. Oh my god, you know, Matt! It's cool. Yes. And then the fucking uh, I and you know what's Literally, weird? I actually yes. like the Solo movie. I do too. I, except for the Kessel except Run. Except for the part, Kessel Run. Like, yes, except for the Kessel Run. Same that. Didn't want to know what Yo. the fuck it was. Oh my god, fucking fucking same. cloud worms or some shit. Yeah, like, no. Fuck, not fuck. only was the Kessel Run kind of dumb, but also I didn't want to know. Oh, I'm yes, I agree, Matt, because I also did actually kind of like the Solo movie. Yeah, it's cool to have like lore and shit or not, yeah, yeah, there was fun tidbits in there yeah tidbits like that aren't explained and that's like you know uh, i don't even know it like, just didn't we like, just didn't need it we just didn't need it yeah yeah you can have like an npc he's like yeah i pulled the dagger out of the bloodstone of of you know gracker yeah. gore you're like what yeah the bloodstone it's, yeah yeah and then the player what? yeah right exactly and then the players immediately go anything. what's the bloodstone and the npc just like walks off they're like wait a minute yeah no it's <laughs> yeah, come so, back yeah because that's because the reason and some people might say but that's dumb that's not how like why would you do that that's how it works in real life yeah, you don't have to explain everything. Like, it's like, think yeah. about it. Think about how many times you've been like talking to someone or overhear somebody talking and they mention like a town you've never heard of and they keep talking to the person and they just keep going and you're like totally lost because you're like, wait, what are we talking about? What? Because it's mine. That's how mine real life is. is. Uh, <laughs> mine is uh, all my coworkers are obsessed with One Piece and I'm the <laughs> yep, one person uh-huh, who yep. hates not. I don't hate it, One Piece. I just, I'm annoyed by it. You don't watch so it. So they'll be telling me all this shit and the story and where uh-huh. it's going and what's happening. And they'll just say NPC, like NPC characters. Fuck. They'll say character names. Yeah. I have yeah. no fucking reference yeah. to. I just smile and nod like I understand, but yeah. I don't. And how many times? <laughs> and it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like in America, this is probably a more common, uh, like, uh, what's the word? This is probably culturally more common in a place like America, but I'm sure other countries have this too, where like how many times have you been walking around and two people are just like casually talking in another language you don't understand right next to you and they're just going and like you're not going to stop them and be like, excuse me, can you speak English, please? Like, you know, (laughs) don't 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 be a Karen. Don't fight. Particularly (laughs) in America. America I mean, yeah, particularly in America. How many times (laughs) are you, you know, you're you walk around all the time here and people speak Spanish like constantly. You know what I mean? Cultural country. I mean, I have a here. I have a great actual real life story of me being uh, uh, one of my one of my coworkers being the player character and me being the NPC who was like, what? Or, yeah. yeah, or sorry, other way around. I was the player character who didn't understand he was the NPC talking about something. 
I was working. Uh, I was working at this restaurant, and I we go downstairs to the freezer, and it was me and the one other busboy and the uh, the one of the chefs, and they start talking to each other in Spanish about something like about what we need to do. I don't remember what the context was, but they start talking to each other in Spanish, and then they finish talking, and the chef goes back upstairs. And then my coworker looks at me and is like, all right, let's go. And I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, what do you mean? What do you, what, what Boney just said? I'm like, I, we just, we just I, explained I, everything. I was like, I don't know what you just <laughs> said. And he looked at me for a second. was like, what do you mean? Oh, oh yeah. Right. You don't speak Spanish. I was like, no, no, I do not. <laughs> so Oops. he was like, yeah, uh, yeah. And he explained it to me. Cause like, context. Yeah. It was really funny. Cause he just looked at me. He's like, all right, let's do it. And I'm like, do what? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I was so lost. Start pulling out a bag. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is I was it? like, what is happening? So yeah, he explained it to me. But like, that's totally a real thing. So in your yeah. in in your tabletop game, like do that shit. Like drop nuggets. Like a great you know, yeah. another a great example is my players when they were down in the um, in the in the underdark and they were dealing with the drow. Uh, one of the drow said to them. All right, we're gonna have to wait here for at least one cycle, uh, because we need to help these uh, these people in town with something. And I hmm. didn't explain what one cycle was. I never said. Yeah. The drow just said we have to wait one cycle, and then went off to go do something. And I never said anything to my players. And at one point, my players were talking to each other, and Sam, being Sam, you know, hmm. he figured it out. He was sitting there, and he and he he turned to the other players and said, "Oh, we have to wait a cycle. I assume that means a day." And it did. That's what it meant, because the drow don't say day or night because they don't have a day and night cycle. So I was like, what would they say? I was like, well, cycle makes sense, right? Like just the word cycle as opposed to day or night because they don't have a sun. And then at one point, Sam in character goes, hey, how do you guys know what time it is? Because I didn't explain that either. I was like, you know, I just said, oh, there's a cycle, but I didn't explain how they tell. Right. I, I had an answer, but I didn't say anything. So then Sam's character went, how do you guys know what time it is? And then the drow character went, oh, I'll show you. And the mm-hmm. reason I came up with is there's fungus that grows on the roof of the caves and the fungus when it's uh, daytime in the above world, the fungus is dimmer. And then as it gets darker in the above world, the fungus lights up. So it looks like stars, yeah. it looks like stars on the ceiling. I'm trying to remember in actual like Forgotten Realms, the Menzo brands. Yeah, I'm sure I they have. have some lore. I think nonsense. they have something where it's like there's a giant literally. Oh, God, I'm going to kill. I don't remember what it's called, but there's a giant stone that goes from floor to ceiling. This thing's basically the size of a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And it's a giant gem and the gem is bright red during the day. And then as it's so, you know, nighttime, it similar to what I said. Dims. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Similar. But instead of fungus, it's a giant yeah, crystal. Yeah. And but the thing. But what's really great about that, right, is like the fact that Sam asked in character. Yeah. Sam is now just that little bit more invested because he asked himself because anytime you get your players to be like what's going on that means they give a shit they're paying attention so leave those little nuggets of empty knowledge Mm. it's a huge like it's honestly it's like one of my favorite i i will have characters say shit all the time and just i know for a fact the players probably don't know like i remember another great example was my players went to this little town outside the main city and uh, one of the one of the people they were talking about mentioned they were like oh yeah yeah the stag of the lake and just like kept and just kept talking and then my players had no fucking clue what that was not a, they were like uh, uh, okay 
And then they saw the stag and they were like, oh, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and then once again, I think it was I don't remember if it was Sam or Brett this time, but I think it was Sam again was like, oh, I bet the stag is this other character from before. And I was just like, I, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's like. The funny thing, actually, is the stag idea came from Brett because Brett was playing not his primary character and he mentioned that this on this other character he was playing it was like oh yeah sometimes I act I interact with the people in the town of Starwater and I was like oh thanks for the idea there Brett <laughs> um, nice. yeah just like chuck these fucking nuggets out and the reason I, that is I, I will admit that particular little trick is maybe not necessarily narrative structuring so much as like a world building thing but it can yeah. lead, it can tie back to the narrative, right? By having... They could also... Oh, no, go, go for it, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, by having NPCs who know more about what's going on than the players do, right? Yeah, and then it they, also makes the world more real and grounded. Yeah, there's... Of. Yeah, it feels like there's more shit going on. Yeah. Which or is that, really... Or not real and grounded, but it makes the world feel like it's an actual living, breathing It's a world, world. yeah. It's a, there's shit going yeah. on. Stuff's happening. There's things you don't know about. That's why I like uh, certain NPCs. I ugh, God, I I hate that I'm gonna reference the fucking this guy, but uh, uh-huh. you know, said uh, was it seventeen percent, whatever. Seventeen point eight percent. Seven point eight. He, you know, he had a really good analogy when it comes to NPCs, and I really like this as well. Where it's like you have like, you know, you have the bad guys, you have your quest givers, all that shit. You have the bad guys, but then you need like, you know. So I, I feel like you need like Farmer Joe, Joe Schmo to make the world feel like yeah. it's actually like lived in and real and stuff. Yeah, you got to have normies. And and, and, and and this is why it's like I kind of like a while ago pushed back a little bit against Isaiah where he was like, yeah, every NBC has a quest or they have uh, a reason to be there or whatever. And, or they have like some sort of meaning that the players can gain access to. And I'm like, isn't that fucking tiring? Can't there just be like Joe Schmo, the farmer who's living out here like he yeah. doesn't want any involvement the players can talk to him they're not really going to gain anything but it's like oh it's like you know the world is alive shit is moving things are happening whether other quote unquote people are affected by the things that we do yeah, yeah. I mean like the fact that I gave my players a neighbor and he's just kind of there yeah. he's just their neighbor yeah they don't like yeah. they haven't talked to him in a while but like he's around <laughs> you know funny He's their neighbor. He said hi once. I think he watched the cat one time. Nice. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it, it, it adds to that. Uh, it adds to my favorite, the verisimilitude. Uh. My favorite word to use all the time. Um, so the other, so, and then that ties in nicely because the other thing is since we're on the NPC train, I think another thing that can really help and this again is sort of a world building thing, but can cross over into the, the sort of main linear narrative, uh, depending on how you use it. Oh, I just, it just occurred to me. <laughs> I meant yeah. to say this at the beginning and I forgot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Any, this whole situation I'm talking about, and I think me and Matt are on the same page, even though I didn't specify this, but like this all assumes you're kind of doing a linear story campaign. When you get into the realm of like sandboxy or hex crawly or a little more like monster of the week style game, you're not really going to structure a whole narrative 
as much as you're going to do little focused episode style stuff, you know, like I'm not really talking about that realm because that's sort of a different thing. Uh, and that has been what me and Matt are talking about because I think we're just on the same page. But I did mean to specify that. Like, yeah, if you're doing the sandbox hex crawl game, this is a lot of this is probably not going to apply in the same way or it'll apply, but you will have to use it differently, particularly yeah. stuff like coming up with a primary villain and then having him do a thing. You're probably not going to do that as much. You'll do little mini like isolated versions of it, you know? Yeah. In between there. Well, it's like think of it like Avatar. There's the overarching story of defeat the Fire Lord, but then there's all the little tiny adventures that happen. That's what you can do with the sandbox game where it's like, I mean, we got to travel here. Here's we're having we're having this adventure. However, but the main thing is that we got to find all the rod of seven parts or whatever, you know, I, I don't mean, know if you even have to have the defeat the Fire Lord, though. I think you can have a sandboxy game that's literally just little episodic stuff and it doesn't necessarily culminate in any crazy way. You could. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. I, I know it. I don't want to say it feels better, but like it is, it gives the players a more realistic. It gives you goal a final just target. Like, it's like, why are we traveling to all these different places? And it's like, uh, you know, yeah. And you want to give them some sort of reason, having that overarching like narrative thing. Of, well, I like, think the other thing is know. it could be self motivated. Like a good, like yeah. a great example. A lot of people do the sandbox thing. Why are we traveling around and doing all this? Because your characters want to get rich. Yeah. You know, right? Like that's a there's that's a thing that. That's a method I think people don't always think about. That being said, it does require a little more effort and work on your players' part. Yeah, yeah. Which is part of the like, reason, side note, part yeah. of the reason Evil Campaign can be a little bit harder. It's for the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, all right, you guys, you're all evil. What do you want to do? One guy, I want to take all over the world. Other guy, I want to build a, a massive army and yep. destroy and conquer the other lands. Other guys, I wish to summon an all-powerful octopus god that will kill everyone on the planet, including my teammates. Yep. What? What? Who said that? Yep. Who yeah. said octopus god? Not me, the good cleric. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a problem I ran into. That's one of the reasons. I, I've mentioned this before, but that's one of the reasons Blades in the Dark is a game that sort of requires extra effort from players because that game assumes that your player characters are self-motivated individuals doing crime for their own particular reason to try oh. and get ahead. And so right. say I thought it was the payday thing where it's like you guys are a team and you guys are no, no, no. Yeah, you, you guys are evil, but like you fucking you know, it's like you guys are working together. No, no, you are a team. Crimes and shit. No, yeah. no, you are a team. But what I'm saying is uh, Blades, you are a team working together and doing crime. But what I'm saying is that Blades wants the player characters to figure out what they want their goal to be as a team and also sort of on an individual. Like, so, for example, the group might be like, yeah, we're part of this. We made a crime group because we want to try and get rich. And then the individual players will go, when I get rich, I'm going to buy this big house. And then another player might go, when I get rich, I'm going to own a Leviathan ship. And then another player would be like, when I get rich, mm. I'm going to make this like, uh, you know, amazing new invention. Like they all have their own reasons why they want to get rich. And then the group effort is get rich. And then the idea is that the players need to be self-motivated in the sense that, you know, you can't, Criminals can't be reactive by definition, right? To be a criminal, you have to proactively commit the crime because the cops are reacting to the crime, right? So 
in, in a Blaze game, you have, you like kind of have to be self-motivated. And so it's kind of hard for newer players or players who are not used to like deciding their own, like Blades basically says, hey players, you decide your missions yourself. The GM does not decide the missions for you. Mm. And a lot of players have a hard time with that. Yeah. And an evil campaign, I mean, Blades in the Dark essentially is an evil campaign. So, you know, that's a lot of the struggle is like, oh, you have to decide your own mission. And players go, I don't know how to do that. I'm used to the GM telling me what to do. Yeah. Right. Um, that was a tangent. <laughs> Shit. Going back to the NPCs. Uh, important thing with NPCs. I feel like it's important. I don't know. Maybe some people disagree. I think this is super important. Consider and think about how different NPCs will have different opinions and worldviews on things because of their culture and background and ergo are not going to respond to the same things in the same way, right? Like the drow characters are not going to have the same opinion of, you know, like let's just take Matt's game. For example, the drow probably don't care as much about the invincible overlord because he ain't Let's. I know. I know they were connected, but let's pretend they weren't for a minute. The drow, not don't, all of them, just just the one house. Right, right. So the rest of the drow don't care because he's not bothering them. He's on the above world. He ain't coming down here, right? Yeah. So their opinion on the situation is whatever, dude. Let him do whatever the fuck he wants, right? But obviously, like, fuck, fuck those people. The town that the invincible overlord just burned down have a little bit of a different opinion on the situation. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, and also, not all the NPCs. I think players get into a trap a lot of the time where they assume that every NPC that tells them information is telling them the truth or a fact. Mm. Not all the NPCs are going to have the information, right? Yeah. A great example. This is this is sort of a, uh, a like focus, a really focused example for my game, but it works. The normal people in my setting, if you say, hey, random Steve off the street, are there gods? And random Steve off the street goes, no, of course not. They're all dead. And then you go, okay, cool. My players found out that was a fucking lie. But it wasn't a lie. It's just random dude Steve on the street didn't know that there were actually some gods still alive, right? As far as he knew, his information was they're all dead. And he had reason and evidence to believe they're all dead. So don't always, you know, you can't always assume that all the NPCs have all the information just because they're an NPC. And they might tell you something that might not necessarily be a lie, but might just be lacking the necessary info to fill you in. So it's like always consider on the GM side of things. What would this character know and how would this character react based on their background? Right. You know, like again, not only will the drow be like, I don't really care about the invincible overlord. The drow also might be like the invincible who? Yeah. Right. Cause he hasn't bothered them. So they'd be like, I don't know who you're talking about, dude. Yeah. Probably most citizens wouldn't have known, but no probably clue. some of the leader houses, the, the, you know, the, the queen, the queen. Probably she would let me like, yeah. Yeah. Well, even then though, even they might not even, you know what I mean? Like it could be a situation where it's like, you talk to the drow queen and she's like, I mean, I sounds like a, you guys are having a bad time up there on the surface world. Real shame. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Or most of the time, because it's, you know, drow, they're probably like, 
Like, he's not invincible. He's like, well, fucking look at us. He's We're not drow. invincible. It's like, well, fucking, if he comes down here, we'll, we'll fucking Sounds sacrifice like a bitch. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, right? Like, NPCs might be like, we can handle it. And you, yeah. you, you as a GM are like, no, they can't, but they think they can. Yeah, they can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's a whole other way to, like, sort of, that's a way to convey the sort of different angles of your narrative and, like, what's going on is really be like, Hey, mm-hmm. just because you guys as the players are focused on this one thing, everybody else might not be so much. They might have other things they're worried about in life. Yep. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I was about to give a real world. Never mind. Never mind. I was about to give a real world comparison. I was like, eh, no, that might be too close to home. Never mind. <laughs> oh. I had a thought and I was like, yeah. Um, yeah, it, like, it's just a, it, yeah, that, that I think that's a that also helps with the fleshing out of the world, right? Because you're you're showing that there are different cultural backgrounds going on. Ergo, yeah. they have different opinions on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the same when, the, you know, in the three year game, when the players would go to their their main hub city, you know, the all the people around there have a different opinion on the invincible overlord. Oh, he's bad. Then they go over to the Dragonland. They're like, ah, you know, he's kind of a yeah, dick. Too bad. No, he, yeah, he's, he's not, 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 not too bad. They go to the Elf City and they're like, you know, he's not really doing it too well for the Elf people. He's kind of giving us a bad name. But, you know, he's he's not the worst leader we've had. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, fucking. He's not really <laughs> our problem. I'm just yeah, saying. Not, yeah, basically. They go to the Draft City. They're like, who's that? Who that? You know. Literally, yeah. Bob, who? You got any other bullets you want to hit, sir? Uh, I do want to make, because I know I know how much Isaiah hates this, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. but I do want to stress the importance of fucking prepping and, like, outlining shit. Like, because, like, you, I, I don't understand how he keeps a lot of shit in his head. It's not good. You got to get that shit out into a page. But, like, definitely sit there and think about your, think about the, the narrative. Think about your story. Think about, like, when should you tie in certain players' backstory and like plot it out and look or at certain NPCs? Like again, certain NPCs. Like again, or where you do you want it to, to? Or where? What kind? Of, how do you want it to sort of wrap? Yeah. How do you want the campaign to go? Or where do you want this player to show up? Out. Uh, you know, having certain scenes in mind. Like I again, because I'm very story based and visual based. I'll have like a scene randomly pop into my head. I yeah. don't. I think you've mentioned this too. Yeah, yeah I do. Where have. you're like, I want the scene to happen in the campaign. But it's not one going to be like one of those like, oh, my novel. It's like, no, I just want the scene and I want to see the players react in it or I want a scene and the players will be there for it. I might be able to guess what the players will do, but I, you know, I, until they get there, I'll never know. Yeah, I, so I, I think, I, I think um, when you're planning a scene, particularly a scene that, you know, is going to push your narrative forward, really all you're planning is who's going to be present and yeah. what vital information is going to be conveyed. Those are the only two things set in stone, right? right. You know that, you know, uh, the Invincible Overlord's Lieutenant is going to be present, and the Invincible Overlord's Lieutenant is going to inform the players that he is about to burn their village down. And those are the two things that are set in stone. Everything else, like how the players react, or like how he rolls up, or like if there's a fight, all that stuff is mostly sort of wishy-washy vagary. The only thing you need to push the narrative forward are the concrete things. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's where you, that's why, cause you know, if you're doing a game, a game that has a, a linear story, which we both you and me are currently, mm-hmm. you have to, uh, you have to have points where the narrative is pushed forward 
in a specific way. Like you, you have to, right? Like you can't just leave everything 100% wishy-washy. There needs to be certain concrete things that happen to, to move things forward. The players meet X character. And then the players find Y magic item. And then the players find Z location, right? Like you, there's certain things that have to happen to move it forward. That's the only way you're going to get any kind of like linear story going on. But all the crap in between, just keep it nice and loose. Just keep it loose, baby. Just free flow. Just yeah. let the vibes hit. Yeah, it's the, uh, uh, what's the George R. R. Martin thing? The planting seeds. You plant seeds and you have the, you know, A to, you know, what's A to C, but you don't know what B is. It's fine. You'll figure it out eventually or A to Z, you know, or or the, the players will points. figure it out for you. <laughs> or the players will figure it out for you. Yeah, it's it's like uh, like one of the things I, I, I immediately like, thought of when I started like talking about this is, you know, that scene from V for Vendetta where he's setting up all the dominoes. I haven't seen that play. movie. Oh, no. Oh, fuck, dude. It's great. All so right, no. we gotta watch it. So day. no, I do not. <laughs> so there's a scene where he's literally setting up uh, like, you know, how, you know, you ever see the videos of people setting up chains of dominoes and then yep. they knock them all down. There's literally what you're doing when you're like prepping and trying to outline stuff and like write shit down. It's mostly to help you feel like you're prepared and you're prepped. You're setting these yep. little dominoes and then eventually you're just waiting for the players to knock the dominoes down and get from one to the other to the other. And eventually the dominoes will fall and they'll build out and now spoilers for the movie. You know, he sets the dominoes up and knocks them down and then they they spell V. Of course they do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's slowly building these little nuggets at a time, one at a time. Yeah. And and it's it's. um, Yeah, it's points on your flow chart, right? It's the major points of interest, but the path from from point A to point B has lots of open-endedness to it mm-hmm. until yeah. until you get towards the end because yeah, i do think end. yeah as you get towards the end i do think it's okay to really like tighten the bolts down and say to your players hey this is what we're doing we're getting near the end we're gonna focus on this bit these bits there's not yep. going to be a lot of other side crap going on. So, like, don't be starting any new nonsense in the background or big projects or anything like stay in the zone because that's what we're doing. This is where we're at. You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's literally the thing in, in the video game. I, I literally I did this to my players last session straight up. I was like, hey, the, the point of no return. Like, yeah, yeah, it's mean- the thing with a video game says to you once you talk to this NPC or once you drop, you know, go once you start this quest, you won't be able to come back like this is the final arc. So get all your shit done now yeah. i literally said that to my players i was like this is the like we're pretty we're in the we're in the end game we're in the final arc we're gonna wrap our crap so like don't be don't be faffing about don't call grandma you're not calling grandma there's no time like yeah stay in the zone i i will say also because i don't know how, how you've had you know you have everything set up but i will just say as a something that i didn't through your game that i'll reference i'll reference later uh, let the players be. Don't just end the campaign at the players getting to level twenty like everybody else does. Let no. them be level twenty for like a session or two, or hell, let them be level twenty for the ending fight. Uh, I mean, my, and then they my get players, to show I, their- Yeah, I think my players. My plan is my players are going to be level twenty probably for the last dungeons worth. Yeah, into the final then they fight. They get to try out their fucking super omega powers, and they're like, "Yeah, we're level twenty. We did it. We yeah. finally." Yeah. And most people, most people don't play at level twenty, so let let them have some fun. You know. Yeah, let them play yeah, with my the fucking plan, Omega Beams. My plan is once... I'm thinking I'm probably going to make them level 20, so the final sort of arc of things is my players are going to uh, 
take a big, massive caravan and march up to Mount Olympus. Uh, and I'm thinking once they start the march through the like, basically, there's a wasteland between the city and the mountain. And so they're taking a huge caravan from the city to the mountain up to the top to fix this sort of teleporting teleport magic machine thing so that they can get to where the bad guys are based out, you know, more or less. And uh, I'm thinking they're probably going to hit once they start, once the caravan gets rolling, I'm thinking they're going to hit 20 from there and basically that lay out the rest of that shit. Nice. They're probably going to have a good, good, good chunk of sessions at max for a while. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but yes, I, I think tightening, I think tightening down the bolts on that on that last arc is fine. It's fine. Yeah. Is it railroading? Yeah, a little bit, but it's sort of like necessary it's, and consensual railroading. It's fine to railroad at certain points. Not yeah, like it's a, a necessary whole, point. Yeah. You know, the meme like players wait in the sandbox for the railroad, like fucking. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the other, th- the other thing, too, is just because you're getting to the last arc and you're sort of railroading them down a specific path, you're still giving them the freedom to solve the problems in various ways. Like you're not telling them there's only one way to solve this problem. That's, that's the part you want to avoid, but you can railroad them down the path. And then when they get to the end, they have to make a decision, right? Then you're still letting them have their, their, um, their agency in the situation. And because it's a tabletop game and not a video game, they have a damn near infinite number of choices because you as the GM have can react to a damn near infinite type of situations. And also be open to like weird solutions at the end of things. Cause I said to my players, I was like, Hey, uh, my players recently just not, I said an NPC informed my players recently, uh, you can destroy the dredge permanently forever, comma. However, if you do that, um, you're going to throw yourselves into eternal oblivion. So, you know, it's kind of a one way street, uh, at which point one of my I think uh, which point Brett went. Well, Brett's character went. Uh, is there is there any way to avoid the whole eternal oblivion thing? And the NPC went, I don't think so, but you could try, bud. And Brett's character went, uh, Okay, that's distressing. He went, yeah. You know, and me as a GM. So they're saying there's a chance. Right. Well, that's the thing. Me as a GM, I'm sitting there. I'm like, there might be a way. Maybe. But I'm sort of open. You know, for now, I'm just telling you what you know, what the NPC told you. And he doesn't necessarily have all the information you're looking for. You know, like be open to, you know, like, oh, shit. What the players give you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have some uh, from Brett saying that I have some other ideas, but I'm not going to say anything because he's going to listen to this. So, you know, not going to spoil oh. nothing because <laughs> well, yeah. and, and I'll also just to end on one little little tidbit like fucking. Yeah, fucking your players will give you great ideas. Use them. They'll they'll give you good ideas that can use to help, you know, better come up with a better story or change up like uh, what is it? My one of my players because he's trying to, he was trying to buy, uh, you know, from Fizzman's the the dragon hide belt, the new. They finally gave the monk a magic yeah. item that'll let them increase their fucking like attacks and key by yeah. plus one shit. Yeah. So they finally added one in, and so he was trying to like get one for another character in our party. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can write some narrative stuff down. But then he gave me the idea. He's like, you know, I think it'd be really cool if like, because Strixhaven's like the whole thing is the founder dragons. There's these five 
all-powerful magical like dragon beings like maybe they like donated skin like some skin or some scales to make some the belts skin. yeah because it's, it's called dragon hide so it's like fucking true yeah and i'm like huh you know what that's a good idea and so i did that and the players found this like you know ancient dungeon by uh you know these like knights that work for the dra the you know the Strixhaven dragons and at the end of the dungeon, you know, the fucking link like opened the you know chest. Da da da. Inside was a belt, a multicolored dragon hide belt with all the colors of all the fucking the founder dragons. And the player was like, "Oh, ah!" Like because he, he's like, you know, he's like, "That was my idea. I did that." <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, as long as uh, as long as the. As long as the weird, like, the idea that the player is feeding you is not disruptive to your, like, sort of overall narrative, then yeah, there's oh, yeah. no reason not to integrate it. Obviously, yeah. if your players say, ah, the bad guys were you were lovely fuzzy unicorns the whole time, then you're going to be like, yeah. no, no, they were not. <laughs> but, like, yeah, if it's, if, it's a, if it's a thing that you could slide in there, then, like, yeah, yeah no reason not to. But, you know... Uh, uh, there was more to that sentence, but I, I lost it, so it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think any other any other big bullets you need to hit. Ah, uh, no, I think I pretty much talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I think the 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 big yeah I, the two big takeaways for me the two big like tools for me is definitely like make sure you're always reusing. I don't like the word reusing. Make sure that the NPCs you've introduced stay integrated into the story so that your players can get more attached and feel more invested and always make sure and just throw out those fucking Lord tidbits at random and just let them rock. Plus, you know, I think the best part about throwing out the lore tidbits is then if your players do ask, you get to do the thing where you go, well, actually, and you push up your GM glasses and flip out your big binder of notes mm -hmm. and start reading, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's the goal. That's when you're allowed to do it. That's the that's when you're allowed to just read all the nonsense you wrote down is when your player goes, what's this thing? And you go, well, 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 I've got just the answer for you, bud. Yeah. That, but if your players don't ask and you just start doing that, you're just being annoying. Stop yeah. it. Get some help. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Any, a, 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 a final note? Final thing you'd like to drop? Like a like a nugget uh, of wisdom? Outline. Prep. Not steal, but like, you know. Definitely outline. Insert player backstories. Yeah. yeah. Outlining. So fucking important. I think the important note, the, the, the important note though, outline. Don't don't um, don't write a novel outline. yeah yeah don't write a novel like outline <laughs> and the leave major space points leave in between, space yeah leave yeah, space leave space in between yeah. the bullet points yeah yeah you can always change shit and add shit i i literally i still do that now as prepping when i'm prepping because like again strict saving they give me the bullet points and then i can take them and change them or add you know whatever yeah outline it and i can add stuff in between each you know bullet point they give me so it's it's great yes yeah big big fan of the outline myself big fan big fan mm. one day we'll convince isaiah one day one day hopefully one day. <laughs> literally will make his life 10 times easier when it comes to print fucking yeah you know games. honestly i don't even entirely understand why 
He's so resistant to the outline. Uh, what was his what was his reasoning last time? He's like he likes keeping it all in his head. I, I, no, I don't I, think he likes it. I think that's just what he does. Like I don't think it's no. a perf- I don't think it's a preference per se. I thought it was his preference. Like I, I I the vibe I got was he's just sort of like like uh, no taking. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like he's just done. He's just <laughs> resistant to to writing the outline for some reason. Uh, just don't don't be Isaiah. Just do it forehead. Like <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty I, I pretty much pretty much. I'm not gonna say that, but yeah yeah you know uh, yeah. I'll say it. I yeah, didn't said it. All right. Well, if you've made it this far, give us uh, give us a follow on Twitter. That'd be nice. Be a big fan. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do it. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, bye bye. Well, one last one, what, one what, last thing what, before anything. Just what, just what, to, what, you know, uh, just because uh, we 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 mentioned we mentioned him a lot this episode. Just to and also to date the crap out of this episode. Uh, if anyone a new DMs want some new monsters, uh, MCDMs Flea Mortals PDF came out finally and uh let me tell you it's it's a ride some of the shit in there is is funny <laughs> wait is it fully is it good? out yeah it's fully yeah it's fully out oh okay. yeah yeah flea mortals yeah it's, it's it's a cool book really cool okay yeah. was, i just wanted to add that last bit in the end <laughs> all right now bye-bye peace